This evening, um, we're going to be looking at a, a verse from John chapter 17, verse 3, um, and we're going to be discussing the topic of eternal life. Um, eternal life is one of those phrases you hear in church a lot, and sometimes we just assume that you know or um, that you should understand it, and so we often just think of it in terms of time, um, but John, the author of the Gospel of John, um, had a lot more in mind when it comes to eternal life um, as opposed to just strictly um, living on forever. And so um, John 17 verse 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful um, that you love us. Um, and I ask now, Lord God, that you will use me as a tool to communicate your message to your people, that you'll open up our ears and our heart to receive the incorruptible seed of your word, um, and that those things that are from you will stick and transform us um, to grow and look more like you in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I was um, preparing for um, this message, and, and really kind of the heart of where I hope that we land in and where we will go is that we will begin to understand that often um, because of our misunderstanding or confusion or um, a, a, a less than full definition of eternal life, um, that we may be falling prey to a lesser life than God has made available to us. Um, and trying to think of some type of analogy or something like that. I didn't come up with one that works perfectly, but I thought it was um, something that maybe you can relate to. Um, I was doing some studying, and I saw that McDonald's actually spends about $600 plus million on ads. And kind of coming up um, as a child and seeing some of my favorite stars, um, started off with um, Ronald McDonald himself, the clown, and, and it kind of grew into other people like Michael Jordan or someone along that stature. Um, it, it, it gave me this belief that they had the best burgers that was available. And I kind of carried that thought pattern into my adult life. And I was good with a McDonald's Quarter Pounder. It was, was my favorite sandwich. Um, now, since then, I've, I've found out that there were actually other better burgers. But one story in particular came to mind is when me and my family, I'm married, I have four kids. Um, at that time, we had three. And to do something for a family that size, we had to do it cheap. So we went to go see the Nats. Um, the Washington Nationals, we went to see a baseball game. I'm not a baseball fan, but it was a great family atmosphere where we could go. And um, when we were there, I got hungry and I decided to go get us some food. And there was this line for burgers that was longer than what I wanted to wait in. So I went to try to get some pizza and the pizza was, looked like it had been in there for about two weeks. So I said, that's probably not a good idea. And I went back and I got in line um, for this burger establishment. After waiting about 20 minutes, finally getting a burger, one for myself and my wife, we, I sat down and I bit into it and it was a Shake Shack burger. And I looked at the burger and I was, is it because I'm hungry? Is, is that why this thing tastes so good? I, I devour my sandwich, and then I look at my wife like, I hope right now you're on a diet or something. You don't want to finish your burger so I could have the rest of it. What I realized is that there was a, 
a picture that's painted in advertisement that tells us that McDonald's has the best food available to us, but there's a reality that if you're willing to wait in the line, if you're willing to go a little bit further, pay a little bit more, there's a heavenly bliss that awaits you (laughs) in that Shake Shack burger. Now, it breaks down because, I mean, it's only a burger. The reality is, is that the world offers to us this life that we can be in pursuit of that's far less than the life Jesus came, died, rose from the dead um, so that we could have. And he called it eternal life. This life that the world offers says that, man, if you become a CEO of your company or if you make six figures or seven figures, if you're uh, married and you have a certain amount of kids, statistically like two and a half, then you will be happy and this will be the life for you. But it fails to tell you that the life that the world is offering to you that is advertised is a lot lower grade than the one that Jesus has made available to us. And so Jesus, he here, he gives us a definition of what eternal life is. I mean, you see in particular in the Gospel of John all over the place that there is this eternal life that is being offered to people. We hear of the young rich ruler who even goes up to Jesus and says, man, what should I do to to get eternal life? The Pharisees and other religious rulers, they were going after Scripture. They studied and he lived the way that they lived because they wanted this eternal life. Um, but because of misconceptions of what it is or how it was obtained, they, they, we find that they missed out. They missed out on this great treasure that, that one parable d- describes it as a, a pearl of great worth. That it was actually worth selling everything that you have going and buying the land that it's found in and going back and and getting that pearl. There's a value that's put on to eternal life that if our understanding of it is only based in time, not in the richness of the relationship that Jesus describes here. He says that, and this is eternal life, that you know, that they know you. Jesus here In John 17, this is the high priestly prayer, kind of like right at the beginning portion of it. And Jesus is actually talking, (coughs) excuse me, Um, (laughs) I wanted the word to come out before the cough. (laughs) But Jesus himself is is praying and he's talking to the Father. And and what we, we find as you go through the course of that prayer is that Jesus is saying that kind of at the culmination of everything that I've done on the earth, Um, As I lived in obedience to you, as I'm about to go into my passion, uh, um, go on to the cross to die and to be separated, God, bring me back the glory that I had um, from the very beginning that I had with you. Um, And and he's saying that, man, you have given me all authority in verse 2. You've given me authority to give eternal life to those that I have, to those whom you have given to me. There was an authority that was there. And the treasure that God wanted to give to his people was eternal life. And so he defines it in verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you. It's in this knowing, it's in this relationship 
That eternal life is really where it's polished in it and, and it becomes the, the type of pearl that, that shows the great value. It's in getting to know the Father that we find the tremendous riches that Jesus gave up so, so that we could become rich. There's a passage in Scripture that says that he who, who was so very rich became poor so that we could become rich. Now, what the world would say is that being rich in finances, that's where you really want to be. That's the picture that's painted. And because we don't understand what eternal life is, we're susceptible to the lie of the enemy who would try to bring it down, bring you down to a level that just go to God so that he will give you the things, the desires of your heart. Those material things. Let me, the enemy doesn't say it this way, but in essence he's saying, let me influence you into believing that these are the good things that the world offers and that God wants you to have. And that in some way it is actually greater than the relationship that he offers. I mean, look, think about the, the, the kind of turmoil sometimes that may go on on the inside of you if you, if you think about what eternity is going to be like. And you hear some definitions of, 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 of those who, who, who will proclaim, man, you know, for all eternity, we'll just be worshiping the Father and, and be at the throne room on our faces. I mean, don't raise your hand or anything like that, but some of us in this room may have said, man, I don't know if that's what I want. That, that doesn't really sound that exciting. But Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 says that there's a depth of love that we don't even have the power to fully understand, that it, we're incapable of fully understanding, and that this infinite love that will only be experienced in relationship with him um, redefines what our eternal life will look like because it will be an exploring that only in eternity will allow you to be able to fully realize. And because eternity doesn't stop, I guess we'll never fully realize it because of the greatness of the God who we serve. And so the enemy would present to you the, the quarter pounder and not allow you to see the Shake Shack burger. I'm going to stop using that example because I feel like I'm disrespecting <laughs> eternal life. But I feel like at the same time, you can relate to what a brother is saying because it's like, man, who lied to me? Why did I believe the lie that, 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 that the Happy Meal was, was really all that good? It was just convenient. My mother was single parent. She, it was easy. It was cheap. And it was right around the corner. Eternal life has such great value and and. and and God put so much value on the relationship that he would have with us that he sent his only begotten son. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. There was a separation. There was, there was a, a, a breaking of fellowship that started with Adam eating the fruit that prevented us from being able to enter into this personal, um, marvelous relationship that God would give to us. So he sent his only begotten son and he made eternal life a free gift that he was giving or making available to all of us. Jesus says that, that, that it's in this relationship, the, or excuse me, in, 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 one, in, in John 1.18, um, it tells us that no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, Father's side. he has made him known. Jesus Part of his purpose, not only to die for our sin, was to make the Father known. 
It was to bring us into this space where we could get to know him, that we could see him, his exact imprint, to, to, to know God, um, to know him in such a way that you don't just know about him, but that you could have an intimate relationship with him that would begin to redefine how you live. And so Jesus put this relationship on display for all of us to see. And so we see instances where he kind of speaks to it a little bit, like where he's with the Samaritan woman at the well and, and, and the disciples, they're coming up after his conversation with the Samaritan woman. And they're like, in, in my paraphrase, hey, hey, man, what's going on? Why you, why you what, what, <laughs> what's going on? Well, don't worry about that. Um, you still hungry? And he says that I have a food that you know not about, that my food is to do the will of the Father. There's an intimacy that, that God wants to bring you into that if you continue to fall for the lie of the advertisement of the world or if you re- reduce the definition of eternal life only to the sweet by and by, that it's only when I die that I'm going to enter into this blissful r- relationship, then you won't properly pursue this great pearl and give up what it takes to be able to um, 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 enjoy the beauty that it has. I, um, back to my burger analogy, I, I, I still was kind of perplexed after the, the baseball game. And I, I just, I could not believe that a burger could actually taste that good. Um, and, you know, it's all personal choice, but it was, it was what I felt at the time. And um, I, I needed to know if maybe it was just because I was just that hungry. And so I looked up Shake Shack, and at that time, there was only two in the area. Uh, there was one in DuPont Circle, and then there was one at Nat Stadium. And, you know, we live kind of far from the city. It's not like a, like a hop, skip, and a jump away. Um, but you know what a brother did? <laughs> I had to try to coordinate and make sure that I don't hit rush hour. So I didn't want to go too early. I had a day off. I didn't want to go too early. I didn't want to go too late, get caught, caught up coming back. But, you know, I made my way to DuPont Circle. And even though there was no parking really that close there, I had to park a couple of blocks away. I walked myself right into that Shake Shack. And I had to get another one of those cheeseburgers. And you know what I found out? It was really that good. It really was. Now, there is a work to be able to come into what the psalmist says about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a work that comes along with that. God doesn't just give it all to us. He makes us pursue him and seek him. And so Jesus says not just a relationship with God, but a relationship with the true God. The true God as revealed in the Bible. Once again, the world kind of gives us an impression at times, or cultural Christianity, maybe is a better way of saying it, that this God can be redefined to be the kind of God that we want. You know, he, he is love. And, and, and God knows my heart, and so I can do whatever it is that, that I want to do. I mean, I'm really a good person. And so there's this false knowledge of God that the enemy kind of throws at us or that our flesh longs after um, because it doesn't really want to enter into this relationship. That is the broken part of us. That's the the sinful nature that resides in us that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, this war between the spirit and the flesh. 
And so there's a part of us that doesn't want to drive and potentially get caught in traffic on the way to DuPont Circle and then have to fight his way back in traffic. Because I would like it to be much easier. I want it to be like the McDonald's that's within walking distance to my house. And so we don't do the hard work of pushing aside some time that we give to our entertainment. TV programs, our sports um, programs. We don't give up the things that we personally hold to be treasures. We're not willing to sell everything like the parable of the guy who sells everything so he could buy the land with the great pearl. We're not willing to do that. But what we are doing is depriving ourselves of knowing the true God. And we, we, we grow in this relationship with him because the words that, that the Holy Spirit inspired men to write, that, that Jesus said that, 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 that we would receive eternal life in, in, in John 17, verse 20, that it was through the, the words that we, thousands of years later, would, would hear or read, that we would come into eternal life. It is in these words that Jesus himself can be found. Listen to what he says to the Pharisees in, in John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. There's a, there's a way, there's a works reward type of approach that we can have in our walk with God that limits us from really entering into uh, uh, the deep relationship that God would love to have with us because we think, man, if, I, if I'm reading my Bible, some of us, it's just, okay, I checked off the box. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. For, some, of, for some, of, some, some other of us, or maybe the same group, or to expand the group, there may be um, times where we're going into Scripture because I want to know how to live right so that I can um, make sure of my eternal destination. And so it's, it's more of without really knowing it with without maybe intentionally do it, but maybe the flesh is really kind of deceiving us into this self-righteousness where we don't have to fully depend on this God who says, be holy for I am holy. We, 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 we don't do the hard work of making sure that we're in the scriptures and searching for Jesus. I had an opportunity to talk to um, someone at, in the life of freedom, and he asked an excellent question. He, he, he was asking me, how do I really kind of engage the Old Testament? Um, because I, I find it harder to figure out how I'm supposed to apply it to my life. The New Testament seems a lot easier to do. And, and, and what the Holy Spirit really kind of rose up inside me is that tell him to search for me in the Old Testament. Search for me so that you understand my character. So, so that you can understand what I love and what I hate. Um, that you can see how faithful I am. That, that, that there may have been a prophecy given at one point and maybe a hundred years later you see it come to pass. If you, if you study my scriptures, if you, you get deep into it, then you, you begin to, to understand who I am and how I've revealed myself to you. That you don't just have to hear the refrains of beautiful songs about me, but that you can actually get to know me personally and that there's an intimate relationship that we have. 
Not just you knowing facts about me, but that you begin to experience. And that when you see these things pop up in your life, that you can trust me. And you can know that I'm a refuge and a fortress where you can be protected from the attacks of the enemy. That you can find peace when someone, the, 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 the people who should have loved you the most actually were the ones who perpetrated the worst pain against you. It's in my relationship with God and learning of him as a father that I began to, 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 to be healed from the deep wounds of my father leaving when I was three years old. That it, it was in that relationship. It's, it's what distinguishes eternal life or Christianity from what the world offers because the love that God provides is something that you can't really put into words. You just hope that you can in some way kind of articulate the thought. So it, you, you silly um, analogies like the Shake Shack burger. Because I can't fully explain this love that I can't even fully comprehend. It's in that work. It's in pursuing it. And so when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in, in John 5, 39, and he says, you, you, you're looking in Scripture and, and you're trying to live the right way, but you don't even recognize that they bear witness of me. In your time, are you doing that? Are you responding kind of like Peter after Jesus feeds the 5,000 and, and then the, the people, they kind of come after Jesus in chapter 6 of John and, and, and they're like, hey, um, can you give us some more of that food? And um, Jesus tells them, well, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we just want the bread, man. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want that. They said, man, this guy is strange. So they leave him. The disciples are still there, and Jesus looks at them. You gonna, you gonna roll out? You gonna leave me too? Peter responds, where are we gonna go? You have the words of eternal life. You, you are bringing us in. You, you are helping us to grow. In this relationship, we, we, in other spaces, the disciples said, man, we've left everything for you. And Jesus has this expectation that we, too, will leave everything. In Luke 14, he talks about what it means to be a follower of his. And, and he uses the analogy of picking up a cross on a daily basis and dying. Paul says in, in Romans 12 that we should be a living sacrifice in following in our pursuit of our of our loving Father who offers to us the great gift of eternal life. F family, this is the pursuit of our lives. This is the greatest treasure that we have available to us. That in this short span of time, and, and I know like a hundred years can feel like forever, and, and hopefully all of us will live that long. But in comparison to eternity, kind of like to do this exercise, if you will, just endure with me for a few seconds. Close your eyes and imagine a timeline of 100 years. And think about coloring it in like a red mark all the way up covers 80 years. Now allow that timeline to look like 1,000 years. And what does that 80 years look like? Now, if we zoom all the way out to a million years, what does that 80 years look like or 100 years look like? You can look at me. It's just like a little speck, a dot, and something you wouldn't even notice on a timeline containing a million years. Well, what happens when the line doesn't stop? 
What happens when, when that line doesn't stop? The greatest pursuit that you can have in your life today is your pursuit after this relationship that's been made available to you. One of the notes that, that I found um, in trying to describe what um, eternal life is um, says that Jesus was very careful to note that the accomplishment of his mission did not rest in his own nature and ability, but in the Father who sent him. Jesus' submission to the Father highlights again the fact that life is a gift of God. Those who are obedient to the Father through Christ are recipients of the life that God alone gives, eternal life. Thus, the promise of resurrection for all believers made explicit in Lazarus' resurrection and guaranteed in Christ's resurrection as the first fruit is the natural consequence of God's gift. Uh, this natural consequence is the, um, the experience that we walk into when we have received Christ as Lord and Savior, or we've been received into the kingdom of light. And that this eternal life can be experienced now, that what God has reserved for relationship with him that, that will be consummated in the future can be experienced now and that we can grow in on a continual basis as we pursue the eternal words of life that is offered to us in scripture, that is offered to us in small groups of, of people who are getting together to pursue a relationship with Christ. You know, scripture says that the iron will sharpen iron. We will grow in this fellowship and relationship to God as we pursue it together and we experience it in corporate settings like this and in a unique way. The lie of the enemy is, is, is constantly trying to pull your attention or maybe it's the lie of your flesh that pulls your attention away and says, you know, I'm a little too tired today to, to get in my scriptures. And, I, I, you know, I, I really need to make sure that I watch this program even though I feel like the Holy Spirit may be grieved a little bit and is impacting the relationship. Eternal life, what, what Jesus is expressing here is the greatest treasure that is offered by God himself. And it is himself. He is the exceedingly great reward. There's a part of us that doesn't believe that. But like the psalmist says, if you taste and see, you will find out that God is good. And that if you continue to taste, if you continue to eat of Scripture, if you continue your pursuit, not in a, a, a fashion that, that says that my church attendance is, is, is a check in the box so God is pleased with me, but is an actual pursuit. God, I want to know you better today than I did yesterday. And it's that, that, that in that pursuit that your mind is renewed and, and you, begin, you, you, you begin to, to be transformed. And, and you're no longer conformed to, to what the world says is good. But that you begin to know his perfect will. And purpose is derived from that. There, there's, there's a self-worth that, that, that grows because you know you are loved by um, the creator of all things. The final portion of that verse, it says, And Jesus Christ, in terms of whom, whom are you supposed to know, it's God. Um, it's God the Father, um, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We, we, are, uh, we believe in one God, and so we believe in the Trinity. Um, and he, he, but it says, in, God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This was the plan from the very beginning. 
from before the foundations of the earth. That God wanted to create a pathway so that we who are rebels, we who were his enemies, could be brought back to him. And so he sent Jesus to die for us. This is the message that we have, that we can share with our family members, with our co-workers. We can share with our enemies that God, who knows the end from the beginning, would know what exactly we will all be into, loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. And it's in receiving this gift. You know, we, we, we like John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But, you know, the second part of that talks about if we believe, then we won't perish. If, if we, this type of believing is like this receiving of Jesus, this receiving of him as Lord and Savior, as receiving him as the only way of righteousness, the, the way, the truth, and the life. It is in that that we will find the greatest joy that God has offered to us. It's in sharing that message that our communities, that our co-workers, that our families can walk into the same type of joy. If there's anyone in here who hasn't experienced that, but you feel that God is drawing you to himself, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. So with all eyes closed and heads bowed, if that's you, if you are interested in entering into a relationship that, so that you can experience the fruit of eternal life, please raise your hand. See that hand? Put it down. See that hand? You can put it down. For those who raise your hand, please um, repeat after me. Father in heaven, I recognize that I've lived outside of the relationship that you've made available to me. Because of my sin, I'm really disqualified from having a relationship with you. Because the wages of my sin is death, I recognize a need for a savior. So, Lord Jesus, I I receive the free gift of eternal life that comes only through you. Thank you, Father, for your redemptive plan. Thank you for choosing me before the foundations of the earth. In the name of Jesus, amen.